fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And today we are here to talk to you about different magic systems. So, you know, the hard versus the soft, and then just kind of in some of the fantasy sci-fi books that we've been reading, what magic systems there are. Yeah. But before we do that, let's uh, let's jump into what we're drinking. Dalton, what's on your flight today? Uh, so I'm drinking Centauri Whiskey. Uh, it's a Japanese like whiskey making company, and this is their Toki, which is a like a blended whiskey. And I have not really gotten into Japanese whiskeys all that much, so this is actually like a bit new to me. So I don't know quite exactly how to like describe it yet. I don't want to do any like injustice to you know a whole nation's whiskey. Um, so right now I'm kind of I'm just I'm enjoying and I'm exploring. What are you drinking? I uh, I have a beer that I picked out specifically for the name so i i don't like to judge books by the cover but i will do that for beer <laughs> um, i picked out brew dogs elvis juice and they uh right here on the can they talk about how it's a grapefruit infused ipa and man are they not kidding uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is actually grapefruit juice with a little bit of beer sprinkled it, in. It, it kind of hurts to drink but uh, it, it's definitely not my <laughs> almost favorite. like a mimosa made of grape juice yeah yeah no that, yeah and then like there's that aftertaste of beer but yeah, I mean, yeah, there you go. A mimosa, but instead of using champagne, you use the champagne of beer. Yeah, it <laughs> just sounds wonderful. And you, typically, these uh, these fruitier IPAs, after I've drank in like six or eight of them, mm-hmm. I, they start tasting a little bit better. But yeah. like, I'm just <laughs> 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 but no, I I don't know. I, it's not my favorite. I, I like the the bitterness rather than the tarty flavor yeah. um, that this one provides. But hey, we're exploring new stuff, right? So go. so before we dive into our topic, uh, let's kind of talk about you know what's been going on in the fantasy and sci-fi worlds uh, our world so mm-hmm. Dalton have you been reading watching anything interesting yeah, so recently? I've, there's two things that I've been reading one on audiobook and one is like my like bedside table book kind of thing both in the fantasy genre and probably both in some sense will come up today the first is a uh, Lightbringer series um, which I'm into I just Brent finished weeks. what's that Brent, Brent weeks yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I just finished book three of four or three of five excuse me that's more on like the hard magic uh, realm, so I think I'll hold off on talking about that too much. I think that one will probably come up. And then I just finished uh, The Ocean at the End of the Lane, um, which is a Neil Gaiman book. Yeah, I know. It's like Betrayal at the House of the Hill, right? But a, <laughs> but a, but a, but a book title. Um, Ocean at the End of the Lane, which is uh, Neil Gaiman. And I don't think you've read too much of like Neil Gaiman's I have not, stuff. No. Yeah, he, this is like my third or fourth book I've I've read from him. He's definitely on the like on the soft magic side. So again, we can get to talk about him. But the, the book I just want to talk about briefly has like a really interesting story where he basically... He didn't outline it, is what I've heard. So he kind of sat down, started writing, walked away from it, came back, like, you know, would sleep on it, come back the next day, just kind of write the next couple pages, you know, sleep on it, be like, here's where I want to go today. And so the book kind of feels like that, where it has the, like, almost like this whimsical, like, you don't really know where it's going. But he is such a good storyteller that, like, he can actually pull that off. That's, like, I think I would you know, not be able to do that in any, in any way, but it, it's sort of like a true storyteller's book is the way I've heard it described. So I really enjoyed it. Don't you hate it when you realize that there's a lot of people out there that are significantly more talented than you? Yeah. Yeah. yeah better at one thing than I will ever be at anything. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. For Neil Gaiman, that's like storytelling. He's, he's pretty much got that down. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I, I, I've been diving into a lot of the Star Wars realm recently. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you know, we, Rise of Skywalker uh, just came out, or well, just came out. It just actually just left theaters, but but it's still kind of <laughs> on my mind. I've been doing The Mandalorian, which is the Disney Plus thing that made me sign up for Disney Plus, uh-huh. and then uh, just kind of diving into it. So we're 
my, my wife and I are actually starting a, we're, we're doing a lot of bike riding in right now because it's okay. minus 11 degrees outside. Yep. We're, <laughs> we're, we're doing like bike riding on the trainer. Okay. We're doing that in front of the TV. And so what we're doing is we're watching all Star Wars in sequential order. So we're going to start at one. Oh, wow. Two Clone Wars. Yeah, a, yeah. Or Attack of the Clones, uh, you know, and then Rogue One, uh, Rebels, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Solo, all of them are going to be thrown in. We're watching them all chronologically, oh, cool. which will be kind of fun. Yeah. It also means there's a lot of biking in my future, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but there is that. So yep. uh, that that's been on my mind. And then also what you brought up with uh, the Lightbringer series, I'm uh, about two thirds away through the second book, yeah. which yeah, yeah, is yeah. the the blinding knife. Yes. So so yeah, that so <laughs> I I I really enjoyed that book. I my my background is optical engineering. Yeah, yeah, um, which is which is all about light, different wavelengths, different colors, and I mean, this this is a magic system based on light. Yeah, and yeah. So, there's like just a little, just enough science in it to like kind of pique your interest. Which yeah. is, which is just really cool. I, I'm I'm really enjoying that. There's there's a lot in there that I hasn't been explained, which is kind of yeah. like a mystery. And so yeah. we'll, we'll we'll dive into that. But yeah, so so we're we're coming to the part of the podcast where we're going to talk where where I have I have developed a question that Dalton does not know what that question is. I'm going to ask him, and he has to think on his feet, and then I will answer the prepared answer. My uh my question to you Dalton is what sci-fi fantasy character would you like to see dropped into a different sci-fi or fantasy universe oh <laughs> do I have to name both the character and the specific universe yes okay okay I think my all-time favorite character and we talked about this I think in the top five books would be uh Severo from <laughs> from Red Rising series um and boy is he he's like a character you know like in the in the true sense of a character kind of thing and he has like all he has like all of his development, but he also is like actually psycho, you know, like actually like a little bit crazy. And in the like Red Rising series, he does a lot as like a sort of a lone wolf type character, and then he yeah, comes back and has this like really close um, relationship with like the main character. So I think like he comes to mind as the oh, I'd like to see him kind of picked up because he can do like the lone wolf stuff and he can kind of mess up the status quo a little bit. And so I think he would be like my first pick as a as a character. I think the story I'd want to see him dropped into probably the Pendragon series. So Pendragon series was a was one that I read when I was kind of more of like high school. It's probably more of like in young adult than it is like in the true like fantasy or whatever. But main character is kind of going out into like all these different uh, worlds, meeting them at what they call their turning points and trying to help fix them. And so I think in those books, main character struggling with like learning cultures, learning, and then trying to figure out what is happening that like counts as like this turning point and what's the right way for this to go so that like these people can be, you know, set up for their best lives or whatever. And so that's that, I think that's why that comes to mind is because he's like already trying to explore areas and figure, figure out what's going on. And so like throwing Severo into that mix would be just really funny to me. <laughs> that, that would be hilarious. Severo is a fantastic character. There, there are a lot of good I don't necessarily want to spoil anything, but there are so yeah. many fantastic, just like hilarious moments that he brings and just moves that story along. And then yeah. Pendragon is is one is a fantastic series. The writing style is super interesting, but we'll get into that in a later episode. But that that's a fantastic option. So mine, I kind of went along the same thing. I was like, okay, who's a really cool character, and yeah. what what episode do I want to see? Or episode, what what what's setting do I want to see him in? Yeah. And what, what I came up with is I want to see Bean from Ender's Game. Yep. In the Lord of the Rings universe, <laughs> so so Bean is this like masterful like strategist tactician like he, he yeah. commands armies right and then like if if you throw him in and you're like okay now you have to decide you know the battles of Helm's Deep I was about to say like, yeah orchestrate how, the defense of Helm's Deep yeah. yeah so you know you know he's used to all of this high technology and like going back mm. to the 
the the bow and arrow i, I want to see like how he will cope with that and figure out because yeah. i mean he has this mind like i'm sure he can like how does he adapt that into the medieval fantasy setting right I, <laughs> yeah and would he actually like fully take command or would he do kind of what he does with like ender and ender's game where he kind of just like inputs these little like nuggets of advice and tries to influence like you know aragorn or legolas or something like that in that way yeah that'd be fun i would yeah. enjoy that i also just really want to see like a mary pippin and bean like yeah beans really small and then you see oh, he's true. running around with all the hobbits and yeah. then there's some comedic relief on like oh you're a hobbit he's like actually no i'm not just, <laughs> yeah. i just think that'd be hilarious <laughs> yeah, so. i would enjoy that quite a bit <laughs> okay so we're gonna drop the podcast we're just gonna do these from now on <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just fan fictions yeah that's- i'm a fantastic writer i don't know about you but <laughs> my background really leans itself to towards writing okay awesome i'll come up with ideas and you can write things <laughs> Fair. okay yeah let's do that <laughs> Okay, so let's dive into the the main topic this week, which is which is magic systems. So yeah. there there are a couple different types of magic systems, and we're we're gonna describe that. But before we do anything like that, I want to we're gonna play a sound. Um, if you hear this sound, that that means we're about to spoil something, and then we'll we'll tell you we'll we'll cut that out of the podcast, and then we'll move it towards the to to the end of the podcast. Right now, we're gonna do a spoiler free podcast, and and we'll we'll cut out any of the spoilers, but they will be available to you if you have read that book. So yeah, you'll you'll hear this sound, and then you'll you'll hear the 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 time signature on where we we've, we've moved that. It's gonna sound a little choppy probably, but I I would rather sacrifice the audio quality to avoid spoilers i I don't i don't want you to be driving to work and like oh well i'm reading lightbringer right now and we just spoiled something for you i yeah that that that's not what i want this podcast to be and so we're we're gonna cut those out we're gonna move them so you're you're not if you do want to hear them you can but just so you know when you hear that sound that's what that means so yep okay so hard soft magic to kind of preface this when i've talked with friends of mine or i guess specifically probably like other engineers when i talk with them about reading fantasy or sci-fi um some of them are you know in the in the total like nerd realm like kind of like we are and they're they're totally down for that but some people i think get really frustrated with magic systems even one simple ones like lord of the rings or something um because they feel like it's sort of like game breaking right they feel like it's like a cop out or um, something like that and so i have these like conversations with these people like well what do, what do you not like about it and they're like that that's kind of the theme that comes out is that well you know the author just you know fixes problems with magic and like that's not interesting to me so they end up reading more of like i don't know biographies or you know things like historical fictions or something like that when we were reading i think the first or get, like first getting into reading especially like high fantasy and stuff like that the first author that we kind of came across that had changed that would be brandon sanderson right he kind of like shifted that that paradigm and created this concept of hard versus soft magic and so i've been using that a lot that that verbiage or that that term to help describe to my friends who are not so much in into the fantasy realm like well here's here's what this what you're reading is what we would call like soft magic and there is a time and a place for that and it can be really done really well and be very good but if what you're looking for is what i'm hearing you describe then you're looking kind of in the wrong area right you're looking for something that's more in the hard magic realm and here are some books and some authors that can help you kind of find that so when we talk about this it's not that hard magic is good and soft magic is bad or something like that it's that you as a reader probably have a preference or maybe you're like interested in writing or developing a D campaign or whatever that means to you and you as an author are looking to do a specific thing with magic then understanding kind of this as a, as a concept or a, as a term can help guide you in like okay what am i what am i interested in so what am i looking for or what am i trying to do so what do i need to use that for yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I want to hammer in on Dalton's point that there, soft magic is not necessarily bad. There, there are a lot of 
uh, benefits that soft magic gives and then there are a lot of benefits that hard magic gives i think being on the the analytical side the engineers that we are we we i i at least tend towards i like the hard magic i like to know what the rules and right. systems are but this is a spectrum that's the other thing is that you're they're not individual buckets something's going to fall along and then the third class of magic is the hybrid system where there's a little bit of both right we, we we've talked about the hard magic and soft magic so what define hard magic for me yeah yeah, good point. Yeah, what the hell are we talking about? Yeah, okay. So hard magic, the idea behind it is that I understand as the reader what the rules and constraints of the magic system are, and I can extrapolate that and predict what the magic system is then able to do or what characters would be able to do using it or something like that. So some some examples I think that just are really good areas of uh, hard magic systems. If you go back to you know old Nickelodeon, would be like Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah, right. So you you have these rules set in place. You have the four nations, and then you can do basically bending of different elements. So there's water, earth, fire, and air mm-hmm. bending, and each one of those has different rules. And as the the viewer in this case, not the reader, but in the view as a viewer in this case, you you understand what are the constraints, and then towards the end of the series, some of those constraints start to get pushed. Right, um, right, right. But it means that like when a character solves a problem using the magic system as the reader i'm not disappointed with that right that doesn't feel like a cop-out because the writer had to write in what the constraints were and then they came in and they said okay so here are the constraints and here is the problem and so you as the reader or the viewer or whatever can sit there and say well how would i solve that right i understand the constraints i understand the problem how would i solve that and you can think through that and then when the character does it you can sit there and either like maybe that's the solution you came up with and you feel kind of good about that or you can commiserate with them and, and see like, oh, I can see how, like, how that would work. But there was no information that was like hidden from you so that it feels like sort of like the Ducess Machino, right? Where it's like, this happens because like we just need the plot to move along or something like right. that. Right. I mean, if you think about like the laws of physics, right? You're constrained to, on this earth, we are constrained to, you know, an apple's going to fall from the tree. Right. Right. And so if you're reading a book, you're, you're, you're also typically, if you're on, in, on an earth setting you were constrained to those same physics and what hard magic does is it added adds different ways that you can manipulate that physics yeah um and and so it expands the opportunities that you have in order to solve problems so yeah and sanderson um we talked about him earlier when he uh released kind of this concept he went through the the effort of actually like kind of releasing them as papers and he wrote down some specific kind of what he calls his like laws of hard magic which which can help bring like some clarity to it but another thing i wanted to bring up that is that the uh when you're using a hard magic system like like you said, it's sort of like an addition to a physics engine is basically how you can how you can sort of think of it. And so now the hard ma- the magic can start to sort of can influence like worlds and cultures and that sort of thing. Um, so kind of again like Lightbringer and even like in some sense we'll talk like Harry Potter. We've kind of think is probably more on like a hybrid. But the fact that the magic system is influencing culture and society, um, whereas in something like the Lord of the Rings, magic is sort of external to society, right? It's sort of like that there is a core society of like Gondor and Rohan and all that, where magic really isn't a part of their day-to-day life. Like they understand that it exists and it can influence them, but because it's sort of like vague and fuzzy, it doesn't influence their like doing their chores and that sort of thing. Right. So actually, so one of the things that I was thinking about is the difference between hard and soft magic. And also one of the, I don't know how you'd say it, not trope, but like one of the mechanisms of explaining hard magic systems mm-hmm. is the presence of a school. So if oh, yeah. if you can send someone to school to learn magic, so you see this in Harry Potter, which is what I would call a hard magic system. You right. see it in Name of the Wind, but, and right. then you see it in Lightbringer, they're at school. They're, and, right. and it's Again, also- you see it in Avatar that he's like, maybe not directly out of school, but he is having to be taught by tutors. There, there's a preconceived set of rules and then it helps both the main character, typically it's the main character that is learning these rules, but it also, because you're following them as a reader or a watcher, you get yep. to learn the rules as well. 
Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of really interesting things that authors can do is they can hide parts of a hard magic system from the reader right. that, that's accepted by the world, but the reader or the main character doesn't understand this. And I think Brent Weeks in the Lightbringer series really does that. Yeah. And so you're you're further into it than me. And, and I, I was kind of expressing one of my, not criticisms of the book, but like I don't understand there's a being that is able to do multiple different types of magic in the Lightbringer series. And I was like, how does that happen? Like what, what, why is he there? What makes right. him be there? Right. And Dalton's like, that gets explained later. And so I'm kind of like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but, but it's, it's a, it's a mechanism that, and it's always good because the author has figured it out. He's set out, he knows the bounds and the limits of the magic system. And it, it's cool to read it or uh, watch it and see those slowly yeah. get unveiled to the main character. Yeah. And it, I, I do really enjoy books in the hard magic realm where it's it's a main character that doesn't necessarily know all the rules and so lightbringer is one of these yeah yeah and i would say like that is because one one like criticism of hard magic might be that you lose like the mysticism right you lose like that whimsical part of magic that makes it feel like magical right that makes it feel that you feel that wonderment as a reader um, because it's like all described by rules and it's like well i'm reading a physics textbook or something like that right and so as a hard magic author you're allowed to do exactly what you're describing you're allowed to hide parts of the system um, you're right the lightbringer does it well um, the mistborn trilogy does it really well as also where there are there are things that are happening and you as the reader go like okay i don't understand that but because you as an author have set up a reputation of explaining why these things are going to happen i'm going to remember that and you better explain it later right and then when it like comes full circle and the author does explain it later you feel like that's sort of like oh that makes sense like that's really cool and usually if it's done extremely well um, it will not only explain something that has happened that you noticed and put like a little pin in it. Like I'm going to, I'm going to fall back up on that and see how that works. But it also starts explaining other things that are happening in the realm that you like didn't even realize were odd until it's like, Oh, now that it's explained, I see why these characters acted in this way. Let's, let's go over some of our favorite hard magic system or hard magic worlds. And so we, we mentioned avatar. I mean, I love avatar. Like it, yeah. it, it looks, the animation style makes it look so much like a children's book or right. I'm sorry, children's TV show, but it just like, it, it is so deep. The storyline is so it, it like hits hard. There, mm-hmm. There's a, it's it's very like emotional. You feel connected, and they do it all in about like what sixty five episodes, right? And it, it's aimed towards kids, but it just like it works. And like the the bending element of it, the the water yeah. and everyone, you know. But but each one of those systems has a rules built out, and you see this as Aang, who's the main character, going through and learning from all these masters. So you know. With, with the earth, you have to be, he's learning from uh, Toft, which is this blind girl who's like this earthbending master. And right. I don't even know how old she's supposed to be, probably 10. Right. And, and so you, you see how how she has to earthbend and how that is completely different and the like almost opposite of, you know, the airbending. So it's over three series and each book, the Avatar Aang, who is a naturally a airbender, is learning a different type of bending. And so it's really cool to see go through and see, you know, here are the... The, the first one that he learns is water. Here, here are the uh, mechanisms and the rules around water bending and how your stance is and how you have to do this. And then he goes into earth and then finally fire. But all, also sprinkled throughout that. And we should probably look up who wrote this because, I mean, it's yeah. it's a really well done and targeted. I mean, it's it's simple because it's towards kids, but it, the world right. gets fleshed out so, so much. But you get flashbacks to the air. And so sprinkled right. throughout all yeah. three arcs. You, you learn about air. And so you're, you're learning almost about four different magic systems in Avatar, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah. And yeah. then the Avatar. Even though he, like long. you said, even though he already knows one, they're sort of like writing mechanism is the flashback so yeah. that you as the lean, the reader or the watcher get to like learn about air. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it's really cool because Aang knows about air, but right. 
while Nelson is watching this show, I don't know about air. Right. right. Yeah. And, and so I, I do think with hard magic systems, it's harder to, like what you said, give that sense of mysticism. Yeah. But there are writing techniques that allow you to do that, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Sanderson's essays, he highlights one one point that I think is, is, is shown really well in Avatar, is that what makes a system like this interesting more than what it can do is what it can't do, right? Like limitations are what make it interesting. He, I think he points out Superman specifically. It's like Superman can do all these things and you're like, wow, that's all really cool. But what makes him interesting is kryptonite, right? Or um, or his reluctance to kill is that like he um, he could kill this guy, but he won't kind of thing. Like that's his restriction. That's what makes it interesting. So when you get to like Aang learning like water bending, like one restriction that Aang doesn't like had anticipated is like that you need water, right? Because air is everywhere. He's always had every element that he needs, but like all of a sudden like water isn't necessarily everywhere. Same with earth, right? Where they like, if they're held on like a metal ship, they may not actually have access to earth to bend kind of thing. So like, how does that limit him? Um, another uh, talk about like, we, we talk, I think when we talk about hard magic systems, we typically tend to talk about fantasy, um, but the same concepts transfer really well to science. Sci-fi. So like one hard magic system that you could consider within sci-fi would be like iRobot, right? Where um, basically it's just three rules. And it's actually almost like an extreme application of hard magic in that way, where there are like three rules that robots have to follow. And then it's just an exploration over a series of short stories of like what happens at the extremes of those rules. Like those are the bounds, like that's all that can happen. Um, but here's kind of like where that can go wrong, you know, at an extreme application. So I watched that movie first before I read the book, Die Robot, and mm-hmm. I'm going through like when I was reading the book, I was like, this isn't anything because I'm pretty sure yeah. the movie just like flushes out one of those short stories. Right. And iRobot, I, I do really like iRobot. I, I think yeah. that's a, it's a really cool. And then, yeah, that's almost like an exercise in how to write hard magic, right? Yeah. You're given ways, these yeah. bounds and then every short story is how do you break these bounds? Right. Or like, how do you push the limits? How, how do you find the weaknesses in the three laws that are given? Yeah. And so it, it's just a, yeah, that, that that's a really good example. Of, yeah. Of I think a lot magic. of other good like sci-fi, like we talk about Ender's Game a lot will say, okay, this is a normal physics engine with these one or two other things added. Hey, we just spoiled Ender's Game. If you have read the book, you can hop over to about an hour and 46 seconds to hear that spoiler. The the author that really just... We, we've mentioned him a couple of times is Brandon Sanderson, who just like hammers into this hard magic system and pretty much anything that is written. I mean, what we got Mistborn trilogy, which yep. most- that's the like if you're going to if you're going to have baby's first hard magic book, <laughs> like that's Mistborn. Yeah. You know, because it's fairly it's 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 approachable. It's easy to understand. The magic system is it's not that long. You can also read the first book and you don't have to read the next two if you don't want to. Like you'll still have a complete experience reading the first book. I Mistborn is one of the books that I've had the m- best experience reading oh yeah for and, sure and they do the thing where you know vin the main character has a teacher that teaches yep. her all about the different mistborn so in mistborn there, there are multiple different metals that when you consume them you can basically draw on that power to do something special so like if you draw on pewter your body physically gets stronger right then there i, I don't remember Tin helps you to uh, it enhances like your physical senses like sight and hearing and those sorts of things and each each physical attribute has a co- corresponding mental attribute right and i mean it, it's oh it's just so cool <laughs> yeah 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 so you'll see and and so in the books there are the mistborn who can burn any type of element which is the, the main character and her teacher um, and then there are mist mistings, mist, yeah, uh, who can burn just like the one type. Uh, so they will burn like like you said, only pewter. And then they're kind of like thugs or something like that. Um, and then there are like tin eyes who like get those enhanced senses, and so they end up being sort of like spies or something like that. Yeah. And what what Sanderson really does well is that he he builds this system for himself, this world, and then he flushes out, you know, how would people actually use this world? So yeah. in Mistborn, there, you know, it's like the underground rebels that are that are trying to. Th- 
you know, throw out the, you know, like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, my eye feels dry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just saw Dalton take a drink of his whiskey. He's like, ah. <laughs> and when in reality, I'm just trying to get my eye to not feel dry because it's like we said, it's minus 11. So the air is dry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so Sanderson takes a look at, you know, how would people exploit these people or exploit people who can only burn pewter? And right. so they, they build like, you know, squads where, you know, they have the thug that burns pewter for the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the bodyguard. And then, you know, they have people that can cloak. Um, so oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, enemies cannot see that you are burning metal and the mistborn kind of is a standalone unit right um, which, which can do all of them but it's also limited so the limitation is once you've burned up all the metal that you've consumed you're, you're done yeah and and so they you know they carry around these little vials of metal that you know they'll eat like the yep. pewter will only carry pewter but the mistborn will carry a mixture of all the metals mm-hmm. and, and so it that that's the limitation and that that's the constraint that a lot of the magic users have to deal with is trying to figure out can i can i burn pewter right now i don't have enough do is this a good time to use that uh, resource or do i need to wait and use it later sanderson just does a great job in the mistborn steelheart he does another one yeah steelheart's another one yeah so steelheart i think there's a little bit of a hybrid in there but i mean yeah a little bit and i would probably say that's that's probably more in the young adult realm it feels like than than mistborn like like in, in that it feels like Oh shoot, I'm blanking. What's the uh, mocking mockingbird? Oh yeah, yeah, Hunger Games. Hunger Games, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. It feels like Hunger Games, like in terms of a level of uh, like intensity, I guess you know, and in terms of how you feel about how the main character is acting. And the main character is kind of childish in some ways. If you haven't read Steelheart, this this is a super interesting book. If, yeah. if you're okay reading the young adult, I I, I find that perfectly okay. But yeah, yeah. It, it is a little bit more lighthearted. But people have this people have been gifted with a supernatural ability or like a, a special ability so if you've ever seen my hero academia it's kind of yeah. like that where everyone has a unique ability but what's interesting about steelheart is that whatever gives you that ability also turns you evil so there are no good guys who are uh, who are gifted with this ability right and almost so, like there's no superheroes there's only super villains yeah. kind of thing and, and so that's another one that i think would be a very challenging thing that brandon sanderson i think pulled off really well oh for sure is every villain or every superhero has their own rule set. Right. And, and yeah. So, yeah. So you're, you're trying to figure out as a reader, okay, can he do that? Okay, who is this again? And then you know, right. you're going back and forth trying to figure out, okay, how would I solve this problem? But, yeah, because as like a writing exercise, that must have been incredibly difficult because every, you know, you, it's told first person, right? So it's told from the from the perspective of the main character. Who, who is not a right. gifted Right. Um, and so, so you like you only you only see his like observation of one of these like supervillains. And so he has no idea what their limitations are. Right. Because like he, he can like sort of gather data and like try and figure out what their like limitations are. Um, but you don't know exactly what they can and cannot do because they're not like broadcasting it. Right. They keep that secret fairly well guarded. Steelheart also has another interesting where it's not necessarily a school that's teaching in the magic system, but it's the main character. The main character, oh, I understand, yeah. because he is like, I, I don't know, super fan is kind yeah. of, uh, of all of these evil villains where he keeps, you know, detailed notes on everyone's powers, how they do that. And then through his notes and through him kind of inner monologuing, you can understand and figure out, you know, what, what the bounds of this system are. Yeah. And, and there, there, we go into, you know, the second and third book. It, it gets super interesting how Sanderson starts to play with that. I feel like this is more of a pitch for that because I don't necessarily want to spoil it too much, but <laughs> I, I, I really like what, what Sanderson did with that. He yeah. also has the Way of Kings series yeah. or the Stormlight Archives. Stormlight Archives, yeah. Yeah, which is hard to remember since we're bringing or reading uh, like the Lightbreaker, you know, Lightbringer. And so like see him doing it already. And so it's like, which one? They both have light in them. Um, yeah, Stormlight is 
intense. I mean, it is like in terms of just like content, it's on like the Game of Thrones level of like detail and like there's all these characters that it's told from their perspective, kind of that shifting in inner monologue. There are times where you're like really enjoying it, but then if you put the book down for like two weeks and come back to it, you're like, I don't remember what's going on. You know, I don't, and he's talking about lands and, and, and nobles that you're like, I, I just don't remember who this is kind of thing. Um, so you have to be like a little you have to like that level of content um, because he it's the type of book um, he talks about in interviews when he was writing it that he has like an internal wiki set up just to keep all of the characters straight in terms of what they can do and everything i um, want that wiki i know right i want access to that wiki <laughs> but yeah another example of um how the the main character sort of comes into like starting to learn and understand the magic system for him it's sort of done through like a tutor type character as well or a couple really but again it's like it is a very very hard magic system the, the rules are known to sanderson as opposed to like mistborn i would say you start with both you start with the internal monologue of a character who understands the magic system almost fully and, and a character who doesn't lightbringer you don't really have that you i think as the reader you're, you're really still figuring out a lot about the magic system well into even the third book so we, we kind of talked about the the methods of delivering the rules of the magic system which are the the, the the school or their tutor right then like a super fan which you know through the inner monologue of maybe the main character you're learning can you think of any other ways that that's done i think when i go back to like sci-fi we talked about red rising earlier in the in the, in the podcast and that's sort of that's more probably on the soft ma again it's in sci-fi but it's probably more on like the soft magic and i think for soft magic that it can work where you have a character who's kind of just trying to figure things out so it's sort of a character who is entering a world that he doesn't understand and things happen around him and he can he sort of like takes note of it he's like oh well, i didn't know like that that was a thing you know that he um he's sort of like learning about it on the way but other than that i think yeah schools and tutors are probably the most common things that i see yeah are there is there anything else that you want to talk about in the hard magic system before we hop on over to the opposite which would be the soft magic i, I think like i said the we were going to give a, a list of of like books to recommend i think most of those have kind of come up along the way the only other ones that i wanted to add was the uh, the powder mage trilogy which was actually a book that I read like the first like book and a half of, and then personally, I kind of fell out of it. It is, it is a very violent uh, book series, um, which is one reason that I personally kind of fell out of it. But I, I think it's still one that I would recommend very highly. It, it has sort of, it almost feels like Mistborn of how um, the characters can essentially burn, but they burn black powder um, and they kind of like sniff it instead of like swallowing it, but a similar mechanic. And that heightens a lot of things for them. And then the author kind of gets to play around with like, what exactly does that do for them? Especially since there's this kind of shared resource between like using black powder for magic or using black powder to, to like fuel your guns, you know, because it's kind of like a gun driven society. Um, so they're doing a lot of like shooting each other and the characters kind of have to make decisions between that like limited resource. If you're, if you're looking for like trying to expand your hard magic system library, that would be one that I would probably recommend. The one last thing that I would like to bring up as a personal preference that I, I really enjoy in hard and hybrid magic systems would be the the fact that there there are some series out there where you are limited to how much magic you can use. Mm, you are yeah. more than welcome to go over that, but there's dire consequences. So in the Lightbringer series, there's a certain amount you can draft before you quote unquote break the halo. And when you yeah. break the halo, you as far as I understand at this point, you just go insane. Right. Um, Which and, is not a spoiler that happens in like the first chapter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it's this, again, this allocation of resources. When and where can I best use my 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 magic? Right. Yeah. Then then another one that we haven't talked to necessarily about is the inheritance cycle or the Aragon. Oh, yeah. Good point. Yeah. So where you can kill yourself doing magic. You can straight up, if you want to try and bring someone back to life, you will die. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and there, there's no hard stop on that where like in Harry Potter, you cast a spell. It doesn't. Yep 
drain any of your physical resources. Right. And you know, the Mistborn series, when you're when you're burning ten to enhance your uh your senses, once you're out of ten, you're out of ten. Cool. Yeah. But yeah. the the books like the inheritance cycle, I, I, I just love this this is my favorite part of magic is when there is a mechanism in place that limits the use and mm -hmm. also you're not constrained by a hard magic rule. Right. So long as you're willing to pay the price kind of thing. Yeah. Like, if what's, you're willing what's to pay the, the price, price, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I think the other one I would add to that list would be Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah. Right. The the law of equivalent exchange that they kind of play around with. And that, like, again, not not a spoiler because it happens in, like, the first episode. Um, but one of the first things that, like, the main characters try to do is bring their mother back to life, right? And they kind of realize, like, oh, we don't have an equivalent offering to exchange for that. And they kind of create this monstrosity and then kind of have to deal with the consequences of that action, right? Of the, of the outfall of trying to use magic that powerful. Full Metal Alchemist is one of my favorite TV shows. I yeah, it, I mean it builds out. It is a hard magic system. Yeah, eh, it, it, it's hard hybrid, because you know there there are rules, there are laws in place. But Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood is the one you need to watch. <laughs> not not the Full Metal Alchemist, but if you have not seen that show, go out and watch that show because it, yeah. it, it aired on Cartoon Network. So there are, there's a great English dub if you're like into you know turned off by anime because of like having to listen in Japanese or something like that. It aired, like I said, aired on Cartoon Network. It's in English. It's easy to find. Yeah. Oh, oh, I need to go rewatch that right now. <laughs> okay. So let, let's jump into the soft magic system, which yeah. is the opposite of the hard magic system. So what, 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 how would you describe soft magic? How would you do it to someone who has never read a book before? Someone who's never read a book before. Never read a fantasy book. Of, yeah. Uh, a fantasy book. Yeah. So I would, I would say authors use soft magic systems to, as an easy way to impart that sense of mysticism and, and not understanding kind of. And so, Again, to use examples to kind of illustrate the point, Lord of the Rings is an excellent example of a soft magic system. And, San and to credit, Sanderson talks a little bit about this in one of his essays. You are meant as the as the reader to identify with the hobbits, right? Uh, with Frodo and Sam, and um, I guess with Merry and Pippin too, although they're more side characters. Oh, please don't hurt me for saying that Merry and Pippin are a side <laughs> character. But like the you know the focus would be uh, would be Frodo and Sam, and they're being thrown out of Hobbiton, right? This like safe place that they've always known their entire lives, and now they're having to explore this world that they don't understand. And so when they see magical things happen, that helps you as the reader, who like you can kind of understand the world that's outside of Hobbiton, right? I mean, it's basically human society uh, in a feudal sense, and so you as the reader don't feel that sense of something new and not understood because you understand the culture that they are being thrown into. But then when magic comes into play, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I identify with the experience that they're having, right? I think the, another good like example of that would be Star Wars. That you like you immediately when you're watching Star Wars, you latch onto Luke Skywalker, right, in a new hope because you're like, I identify with this dude who's just a dude. Like he there's nothing special about him, right? Nothing at all. Nothing uh, at all. Spoiler. And he's being thrown out into this like galaxy that has all these aliens that he like he doesn't understand. It has the force which he doesn't understand. There's these bad guys that he doesn't understand, right? And so the fact that it's a it's this soft magic system of the force can just do things helps you as the reader kind of feel like you're alongside Luke and when he has his victories that are kind of won out despite you know either alongside or despite the magic you kind of feel that too and, and with the force there are not many characters in the star wars universe that ever fully understand the force mm -hmm. i believe it's in force awakens where you know ray meets up with han and chewbacca right and han's like that's not how the force works <laughs> <laughs> i don't know nobody knows right so right. it's it's almost like a deity the, the yep. force in the star wars so so and, and again it's not really Whereas the hard magic can like define the culture of it. It's not really defining their culture in that like most people aren't really affected by the force. Yeah, you're not building a world around the soft magic system. So right. like Lord of the Rings, 
the world is affected by soft magic, but in minimal ways. Right. Right. So if you take soft magic out of Lord of the Rings, a lot of the societies and cultures that have been built up will still exist. Yeah. And I, I, same with the for, or same with same with the Force in Star Wars. Yeah. Except for we wouldn't have the Skywalker family. So like, what would be the point? Which I mean, honestly, probably be better off for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't have the good movies. But right. I think we would be, uh, you know, yeah. But that is a good. That's a good way to describe it. Like soft magic. Could you pull the magic system out, and would the story still happen? You know, could could the society still exist? Could the characters still go through the motions that they go through? Um, that's probably a soft magic. I would say Game of Thrones. You could probably throw yeah. that in there. Song of Ice and Fire. Um, I always, you know, we call it Game of Thrones. But Song of Ice and Fire is the series that you could technically pull a lot of those magic elements out and they aren't because they aren't being used to drive the story they aren't being used to solve problems and more often they're actually creating problems like that like that um, melisandre can like do these things these magical things and that just like makes everything worse for everybody and now all the normal characters have to run around like fixing those problems yeah and i think what for me what what defines a really good soft magic system is one where the world is not built around the magic system but you can't necessarily you can pull out the magic system the world would still exist but the story would not yeah. Um, yeah. So, like in Lord of the Rings, like you've created these rings, the world would still exist without those rings, but th- there would not be a Lord of the Rings trilogy without right. you know the the journey to destroy the Ring of Power in Mount Doom. That that would not exist, and so you're you're left with this mysticism. Chronicles of Narnia, I think, is another. Yeah, good that's one. a good one. Yeah, they, don't don't quote the old magics to me. Yeah, and you're like, <laughs> what are the old magics, Aslan? Like, tell me. <laughs> yeah, you don't know. And, and so that that one, you know, the the story or the world would not exist without the magic, right. but. You know, th- th- you don't know what's going on. It's kind of like the, the, the world outside of the wardrobe would exist. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah. But, but that's not the world that the story is written in. Right. And again, you're meant to identify with the children who like go through the war- the wardrobe and all of a sudden they're in a world that they don't understand. And the magic helps you as the reader, like kind of feel that as well. Have you read the other books? Yeah, I have. Um, it's been a long time, but yeah, I did. I need to reread those. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, yeah. like they're not I think I think they're not my style um, per se, because like because I tend towards the hard magic systems, but it is like C.S. Lewis, and if you read anything else by see it like uh, Screw Tape Letters and like other things where like like the mind on that guy is, it, it was just astounding kind of thing. Um, so it it you feel that when you're reading through the Chronicles of Narnia, but he did write them more you know not to be the Screw Tape Letters, like they're they're supposed to be more accessible. It's the magician's nephew is the first. Uh, I think there's one before that. Yeah, but I remember the magician's nephew a little bit more. That's the one right. where you know they they describe how the light post got into Narnia and yeah like, yeah I, yeah. I love prequels. I think yeah I, I would prefer a prequel over a sequel to almost any series yeah um just i'm super excited about the kenobi series that's coming out for star wars because i want to know more about obi-wan kenobi like these are established characters that i would like to know more about i've connected with this character Mm -hmm. anyways yeah that kind of got off topic but (laughs) it's okay (laughs) yeah yeah uh soft magic so soft magic uh, characteristics Uh, of soft magic some of the things just to throw in there the the magic system is almost never explained um again if it is explained then you sort of lose that mysticism that you were enjoying as the reader um so you may like think like i want to understand how you know aslan can do these things or whatever but i think if you like really took a look at it you wouldn't and if it got explained to you then you would be disappointed you know you'd kind of lose that like tie and that personal connection that you had with the main characters the the other thing that i have been kind of thinking about is in a soft magic system is is it more likely that soft magic is used by villains than the heroes that's a really good point. Certainly not the main character. I think soft magic would almost never be used by the main character. I can't think of an example. Yeah, yeah, because I guess they end up not being good and we don't read them. Um, because like, like Gandalf's a good guy, right? Like that's that's well established that Gandalf is a good guy. I guess I guess Star Wars could be an example where like for, like Luke ends up using the Force. That, right? Okay, yeah. That, but that's... but even so, like Luke doesn't typically like solve all of his problems with the force except for maybe like it blowing up the death star in the first one but i like i think a lot of us at least i have always felt that like that feels like a bit of a cop-out in that scene where like he gets to blow up the, the death star because he uses the force but the way it's done i think the reason it still works is because obi-wan's ghost 
tells him to use the force and so he kind of like does it and doesn't really understand what he's doing and it works and then he like sets him on his journey i think uh the soft magic systems the the when when bad guys are using it they are creating roadblocks for the good guys and the good yeah. guys don't necessarily understand what's going on yeah so like you see in in it's the fellowship of the ring where mm-hmm. like uh saruman like brings down the snow on the mountain to force them through the right. mines of moria yep and so like they don't necessarily know that magic's happening to them but it's it's creating a barrier you don't necessarily know how it's happening but saruman is basically uh what would we call it in the uh, rpg would be railroading them into yeah. <laughs> saruman's not a very good dm yeah well saruman has built this dope dungeon yeah <laughs> he's like damn it the characters are going through my dungeon they are going to fight the balrog like exactly yeah. i i did not expect them to go over that mountain we're gonna not make them go over that mountain anyway. <laughs> it's okay. every dm's done it at least once i do it all the time yep um i think uh in terms of main characters using the soft magic dune would be would be one uh, i always mess up the name but like muadib like gets to use the soft magic of the spice right and that's kind of like his thing one thing that kind of probably saves it is it's not a it's not a first person like deep introspective writing style because otherwise like you as the reader would kind of get lost in like the mysticism and not really have a place where you're kind of like grounded so there are a lot of characters in dune that are grounded and normal um, where you get to kind of like identify with them and you, you feel like you are kind of understanding the book. Still like very highly recommend Dune. I really, really, really like that book. It's also like, if I, if I would say, if I was going to sit here and say like, Dune is a bad book, like that's, that book is way too famous for me to be like, <laughs> I am I am knowledgeable enough in books to critique Dune. Like I'm not going to do that. We're in the first five episodes, bud. Please don't make enemies right now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, but when I look down like the list of things that we've talked about, we talk about like Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, Song of Ice and Fire, Dune, Star Wars, like these are all, things that i love right they're like they're so near and dear to the heart they're they're wonderful they're in like the mystical realm right and so is we talked about right at the beginning is soft magic bad soft magic is absolutely not bad like it can it can be used as a tool as a writing tool to create worlds that are that are wonderful that are fascinating that like that the reader wants to like learn about and get involved in um they're just a bit of a dangerous tool because they can be the like the duces machina of like oh gandalf get us out of this situation right we we didn't discuss this before so I like soft magic systems that mm-hmm. I understand the story going into the book. I don't necessarily like new soft magic systems. Just okay. being, I, I have such an analytical mind. I want to know what, what's going happen, what's going on. I, I need to know the rules, but I don't like for like Lord of the Rings. I knew that the idea of the story before going into it, and that's why okay. I like it. But if I went into it now, not knowing the story, I don't think I would like Lord of the Rings as much as I do. Okay, and that is because I would expect an explanation, and I don't ever get that. And if you look at the list that we've created of like these examples, most of them came out before we were born. Yeah, that's true. Which is kind of interesting. And and I just, I don't know. I just, I, I do like, I like hard magic systems a lot better. The soft magic system is good. Yeah. If, if I go into it understanding that it is a soft magic system and I just need to accept that it's not going to be explained to me. Yeah. Okay. So let's take it to the, like the sci-fi realm a little bit. Soft magic in a sci-fi sense can be used to say, okay, the, the main character doesn't really, doesn't really understand the limits of technology right now. Right. That's um, true. Yeah, uh, yeah. One, one book that we both kind of read recently that I think did this extremely well would be Hyperion. So Hyperion is a is a collection of uh, short stories basically told from the perspective of several characters who are like on a journey together and it's sort of how did they get to this point and there that is that is well into the soft magic part right when you read that there are there are technologies that are that are going on and there are creatures and, and things that you just as a reader don't understand and honestly are, are not really ever explained however because it is told from a first person perspective and it's always told from the perspective of someone who doesn't understand the magic in that sense it's it, in that book it's done more to actually to be down the route of like horror or like fear than it is like mysticism where it's like there's this there's this like dark force that you don't understand that is impacting you and that can that can impart a sense of again a sense of fear i think another example of that that's that it currently is doing it very 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 well stranger things 
So Stranger Things is absolutely a soft magic system, right? You have no idea what what L can do. You have no idea the like the power of like the evil force of the under thing that's that's going on. But again, because it's horror and because it's soft magic, the more it's explained, the less it kind of scares you, right? And so Hyperion by the end of it, it's like okay, we've explored this from like six or seven unique angles and now it's kind of played out in, in my mind and stranger things you're into like the third season and they are now relying less on the horror of this magic system that you don't understand and more relying on the character development right of like that's what keeps you hooked is like how much i'm enjoying watching these characters grow and their relationships and actually the the sci-fi aspect of like what are what is where is this coming from and what can it do is now kind of becoming less of a focus okay i actually haven't thought about that but using a soft magic system for a horror Mm-hmm. It, that okay yeah I, I can i can get i can get on that bandwagon yeah um part of it's probably we don't actually you and i personally don't trace down horror as like a genre all that often you that, know? that's fair it's not like in our normal reads or whatever yeah but i mean you see a lot of stephen king novels yeah i think would, would be falling under the soft magic yes. systems like the mist where you know everyone's trapped in a building and right. then you, they can't go out into the mist because nothing happens that that's a soft magic system you don't know what's going out going on right the uh the world would still exist without that mist there but mm-hmm. the story wouldn't and, and you know it, it creates this like almost fear, and you're you're learning you know with, with the characters. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. The um, fair, fair. the uh, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair, fair. The uh, oh, what's the Stephen King? It's the date that JFK is assassinated. Is like the title of the book, but I can never remember. It's eleven twenty-three sixty-three something. If we were good Americans, we would know, <laughs> but we don't. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's another example of horror where there's like there's a which by the way, just to to plug that that book, I have that's actually the only Stephen King that I have read concept being a guy can go back in time and he has the opportunity to influence events and so he decides to try and stop the jfk assassination like that's the thing that he think is is like this turning point that if that hadn't happened the world would be so much better and it's about history trying to prevent that i guess would be there's this this soft not well-defined or understood force that is trying to keep history the way that it happened and doesn't want him to change it i've not read many stephen king books but that that's been my favorite it's 11 yep. i looked thank it up. you yeah so um oh thank god i feel so much better now oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, now that that's over. If you're going to write a book, I don't suggest numbers. For whatever reason, numbers are harder to remember than names. Which which is weird because like I remember numbers all the time, but whenever you get it into a book title, uh, yeah, it's gone. Yeah. Okay, so like like we said right at the start, hard to soft magic really is a spectrum, and and it's again it's it's kind of an argument of semantics. Like, what are we calling this thing, right? So arguing is this more hard soft? Not really the point. The point is understanding what are the benefits of building a magic system that do one thing or another, so that you as a reader or as an author know kind of what you're what you're wanting to do or what you're interested in pursuing. Um, so talking about things that are kind of in the middle of the spectrum, these hybrid systems, which I think is where the majority of books lie. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, most things are not on the uh, the absolute outcasts of the spectrum, yeah. right? What what would you define as like some of the? I guess maybe it's easy now that we've defined hard and soft understand what a hybrid is but what would you say are some of the, like the characteristics and the benefits of doing a hybrid system so you're you're able to appeal to the analytical mind like myself with with a hybrid system because you can explain rules enough to keep me to keep reading your book but also not explain everything at once so that i'm still have this sense of awe which, yeah which, which which is a good thing the other benefits are you know if you're writing a strictly hard magic book it's going to sound very textbook yeah. And that's not fun to read. Yeah, good point. So, so the, yeah, there, the are, hybrid, there are parts of even our favorite books that get really boring when they're talking about the details of it. Yeah, yeah, and and it's it's cool, and and I think that also kind of lends itself. We do a lot of audiobooks, right? We're listening to a lot of books, and yeah. I think that loses itself, or like the, sure. the, the the textbook part of that. If you had a physical copy of the book, I don't think that would be as bad. Right. But like, I don't want to listen to twenty minutes of some guy explaining the physics of a magic system at six thirty in the morning when I'm driving to work. Right? Like, yeah, yeah, it's so, just hard to keep in touch with. And then also with with the physical book, you can go back and you know you can bookmark that part of the book and you can go back and look at that. Yeah, to just make sure that everything lines up. But the uh, the main character. 
typically in these books are learning magic as you go along. And I think a lot of hard magic or uh, books that tend towards the hard magic side of the spectrum start as soft magic and they move, they, mm. they move along the spectrum. So, yeah. you know, I think Harry Potter is probably the, the biggest hybrid system that you can think about that. Right. Right. I'm not going to, I don't know if we need to spoil or alert Harry Potter, <laughs> but so you, you have, ever read Harry Potter just goes into Pottermore, right? Yeah. Or uh, Potterless. Uh, the, we should not be plugging other podcasts, but that is awesome. It's such a good one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so the, uh, the main character whose name is Harry Potter, uh, <laughs> I'm just trying to help. I'm just trying to help here. <laughs> give context to the story <laughs> so the, the main character who uh he, he's growing up in the muggle world which is the non-user right. user world and as he's going along there's seven years of school and each year you pro- you learn progressively more about the magic system right but at the end of the year at the end of year seven you don't know everything about the magic and then there's old dark magic evil magic that you know is never explained to the reader so you start out at a very soft magic system where you know you see this flying motorcycle come in and as a oh, reader yeah. you, you don't know You're what's going wizard, on Harry. you're yeah. a wizard Harry. you have this cat turn into a human this is one of the first things that happens in harry potter and that's not explained actually until i believe the fourth book third is it third? Oh yeah, yeah yeah i'm sorry yeah um <laughs> there's a specific reason it's the third yeah yeah the <laughs> but mm-hmm. you know it, it, it lends itself to you know explaining the rules as it goes along there, there are things that jk rowling who's the author of harry potter has said that she will never explain in the magic system right so like the creation of a horcrux like she says that the process of creating a horcrux is so morbid that she would never explain it Right. And, and so that, that, you know, part of that's marketing, I think, but, Probably. <laughs> but it, it's a very hard magic system for what is known by pretty much all of the wizarding world. And then there are parts of it that are still very soft. Yeah. Slash. And I think that's a really good, like uh, a characteristic I've heard of this hybrid system is that like you understand the world insofar as it has been explained. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, Where like yeah. a, a hard magic system, when I understand the boundaries, I can probably extrapolate it. Right. So I can take a really good firebender can do and I can extrapolate to like down to like what Aang might be able to do or like, you know, and I can kind of play around within my own mind. And then it's shown to me and I'm like, that makes sense. Whereas in Harry Potter, it's like, I understand what Alohomora like does as a spell. And every time it's used, I, it will do that exact same thing, but I don't understand necessarily the extent of every spell that exists. Yeah, and and nobody does. Right. Right. Yeah. There is not a character in Harry Potter that understands every single spell out there. Yeah. And, and but there are books. There's the hard magic system that's underlying it because everything is recorded, everything is booked. There's the restricted section for all this stuff that yeah. you know is in the 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 mythos of oh you know how bad could it be and then so so that's all in there. So it, it yeah I think Harry Potter is probably the most well known hybrid system. Yeah. Uh, some other so we talked about the. Um, Last Airbender, which is the first Avatar arc, yeah, um, with with Aang as the main character. But then, when when the current Avatar dies, a new Avatar is born, and like the cycle, right? And so the, the the next series that Nickelodeon put out was the Legend of Korra, which is the the water bending Avatar, right? And so that's more of a hybrid system, mainly because of you get to see a lot more of the spirit world, which is like this, right? It's almost like the underworld in Stranger Things, like yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. like this, like it occupies a different plane of existence, but mm-hmm. like still the same physical space, mm-hmm. um, which which is kind of cool. But there's there's a lot of stuff that you know kind of goes into that and like some of the spirits you know she talks to work in mysterious ways there's this thing about a tree that i don't really want to spoil but like right <laughs> yeah yeah it's i think it's a really good example she also like she in that series they start kind of pushing the boundaries back of what you previously thought that like you could do with a a specific skill in bending and they kind of start to like push that out a little bit generally we say like chorus core is hard to critique because like avatar the last airbender makes it into both of our top five tv shows of all time like we absolutely love it and core doesn't like it's not in the top five it's still good. It has some really good things about it. But but as, a, as an example of a hybrid magic 
system, I think it does really well. I think you talked about hybrid magic systems can, um, like in Harry Potter, you sort of get the benefit of a, as, of an author and the benefit as a reader of feeling the whimsicalness of ex, of being exposed to a magic system that you didn't know existed or didn't understand. But then you you get to kind of figure it out over the course of the book and like kind of grow to know it. So another one that fills that spot for me is the Demon Cycle by uh, Peter Brett. In that one, the concept is that like humanity has sort of like crumbled, like society has sort of crumbled because every night these demons come out and they're impervious to like human weapons. And so presumably like the first time demons kind of like came out onto the onto the Earth's surface, it happened during like a time normal sort of normal to this. Um, but as a result of not being able to fight them, humans got knocked all the way back technologically to like the feudal ages, medieval ages kind of thing. So they're fighting with like swords and spears and stuff, and they can only come out at night. And so at the start of the series, they are fully pretty much not understood. Humans have a way to defend against demons, but not really a way to attack them. Um, and you know of certain types of demons, but you kind of only know the ones that the main character is exposed to. And then as the main character starts to explore the world, you're exposed to these different types of demons that exist in different uh, realms. They have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, and then like his ability to interact with the demons sort of evolves over the course of the series. So kind of a hybrid system. We just spoiled The Waterman. If you have read that book, you can hop over to listen to those spoilers at about an hour, one minute, and 29 seconds. I, I don't think I would feel comfortable <laughs> cutting or finishing this conversation on the hybrid magic system without talking about one of the books that or the series that made it into both of our top fives, which would be the uh, the Kingkiller Chronicles. Yes. So th this is another one that utilizes a school to kind of yep. teach you about the magic system, and it has one of my favorite things where you can kill yourself using the magic system. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So not well. We may get into spoilers a little bit later, but trying to keep it spoiler free right now. That there are specific types of rules, and basically what you're trying to do is find the true name of something right which is the same thing as inheritance right um yeah yes and no that there's yeah. like there's there's sort of this and i think like in terms of like hybrid this is actually maybe not quite an exception but it's an odd case where as, as opposed to like knowing or understanding the limits of the magic system it's almost like this book has two magic systems right where it has like the naming portion that is very much a soft magic system where if you like know the name of something like the inheritance system has the same mechanic that you like can ha impart some level of control over that thing i would say though knowing the name of something in this book is far more rare than knowing the name of something in the inheritance it, like people know like one or two names as opposed to like the names of many things but then there's this syncope uh, magic system that is ac actually a very very hard magic system and the idea being that they can tie they can make physical ties between things would be one way to describe it so um so i can make an, an energy tie between this candle and your finger and then your finger gets hot right the energy of the the heat energy of the candle is transferred through this tie that i have made and i'm actually actively maintaining to your finger or whatever and then you feel that heat um, or there's other things that they can do um, to make like little magical devices and stuff like that. All like fairly hard magic, but it's an odd, it's this really odd sense where like there are parts of the magic system that you can understand and use the reader can like start to extrapolate and make assumptions about. And part of it that you're like, I have no idea what's going on here and I'm waiting for this to be explained. If you have not read that book, stop listening right now and go read that book, please. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, I think still that that book tops out in terms of my like recommendations books that it's like it does. It's not my number one book. It is in my top five. Also, I think partially because it has like kind of that duality of magic systems where it's like it'll kind of check boxes for both parties, people who like both ones, where it's like, yeah, this is you should read this book. This book's fantastic. Hey, I've read Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. What next? Yeah. Here you go. Yes. And yeah, that's a good point. Great bridge. Yeah, it, it is a really good bridge. You do have to throw in the caveat that the third book is not out. And yeah. I mean, hey, we may get lucky and it will be out by the time of the airing of this podcast. We'll look like fools, but we'll be happy fools. Oh, I will be so... Th I'll, I'll <laughs> happily look like a fool. I will look like such a fool to have access to that third book. Oh, man. But he needs... I really need that third book. <laughs> okay, so I think both of us, if we were like looking across the categories of magic system, we would both... Again, again, it being understanding that it is a spectrum, we would 
at least I think I would land somewhere between true hard magic and, and hybrid. Like I would be on that end of the spectrum. Is that kind of where you see yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I like the rules, but I also like the mysticism that the solid magic brings. So I, I think I would lean towards that, but I, my, my favorite type of book would be one that starts soft and you learn the rules. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Because I think if someone told me like, Hey, I understand what soft to hard magic is and i know that this is a hard magic system you can read it it's almost like okay sure like that's almost like a shoe in that like i'm probably going to give that book a try right whereas like soft magic is a is a harder sell for me but again I, like i said i just finished ocean at the end of the lane and almost and every neil gaiman book is a soft magic system another uh, neverwhere sort of an alice in wonderland type feel to it where like the main characters literally pushed into a world where he doesn't understand what's going on just like alice in wonderland um, except for sort of like darker and people are dying kind of thing. Um, so it's like it's like a, it's like a dark equivalent of uh, Alice in Wonderland. And I loved that book, but I was surprised by it because of the my tendency towards hard magic systems, I guess. So if I, but if I was to name like this is my favorite application of soft magic, it would probably be Neverwhere because it balances that feeling of like horror and like not understanding with like the character being able to do something. And that's that's one where I'm going to get too close to spoiling to talk about. Um, but that would be like my favorite application of like soft magic. Um, have you thought about that at all? Do you have a, a favorite in your realm? I mean, probably Star Wars, honestly, like mm. we, we go back to that. But I, I do really like Star Wars. I think they kind of killed it in seven to nine for me. Yeah, they, they took a little bit of mysticism out and then they ruined some of the plot points that you you know, you notice in the prequels. Right. You, it spoils some of the stuff that, that you learn about later. But so the force in the sense of like four or five and six episode four, five and six kind of really, really works for me. So the the other one that does a really good soft magic system tends a little bit more towards the hybrid, I think would be the Gentleman Bastard series. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Which we didn't really bring up. But Gentleman Bastard, the it's it's a common folk or common not magic user is the main character yep. and he's a thief yeah. um and so really so, him and all his friends i think yeah 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 yep. so he's in this thieves guild but then he he pisses some magic users off in the first book yep and, and so the first book i think is very almost unmagical yeah i would say so, so. The, the majority of the book does not bring in magic and then the subsequent books do i think there's three there there are three yeah. there are three and so and it's kind of you could almost like read each book individually yeah like they're, yeah, they're, yeah. They, they're standalone yeah it, it, it goes back to a very like old school cartoon type where every episode is standalone and there's like this overarching story that yeah. like you don't necessarily have to know to watch an individual episode and that, that's kind of how i feel about these yeah. books like e each book is a standalone you get like the thieves guild in the first book the second book is kind of like the pirates and then the third book is more of like a social setting so like yeah if, if i had to break down like three clear-cut D D yeah uh, settings Th those would be the three which which i've drawn a lot of inspiration from the gentleman bastards for that yeah. but oh, it is like it is ripe with inspiration for yeah. yeah for for campaign writing and that sort of thing exactly and they piss off a couple of magic people in the first book uh pretty brutally uh yeah. piss them off and so they piss them off and then the yeah, the consequences the consequences that. and it kind of shapes the rest of the story so they're not yep. using magic however they have to deal with the consequences of the bad guys quote-unquote bad guys using magic against them right and, and that kind of drives the story yeah which, and, and i would like this is getting off the magic system topic but it's very oceans 11 right it's like there's there's a group of thieves and they're like coming up with these clever ways to like pull these heists and and, and sort of like what what's kind of the biggest game they can catch kind of how far can they push their luck and so yeah they're like the the magic system is a is an obstacle to them i would totally agree it's a consequence of their actions um so very in my mind it, it absolutely lands in the soft magic system um, but it's done because magic isn't the focus of the book. And again, you could pull magic right out of that book and you could have created any other like obstacle for the main characters and that, that would have it would have worked fine as a book. 
Um, but they chose magic and it works well and it's thematic and like I, I like the magic users. They're creepy and they're cool and you know they can do some like I don't know just fun little things. Um, so it it comes in terms of like soft magic. It's hard to say like oh here's a soft magic system you would like because it's really it's like a it's like a heist of a thieving book. You have to like like that genre to like this book. But if you're at all interested, if you like Ocean's Eleven at all, like that that probably tops my charts for that genre of book that's one of my highest recommends a lot of soft magic systems are significantly different than other soft magic systems whereas hard magic systems i think they're they're more similar than like the lord of the rings versus star wars right it, it's it because it's not a driving force yep. of the storyline it, it's hard to say oh you like this you'll like this yeah that's um, true where, whereas hard magic like if if you like sanderson or something like that. You're gonna like all of Sanderson's yeah. other books. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a very, very proficient writer, and pretty much you, you know what you're gonna get when you sit down with a Sanderson book. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So that that kind of wraps up the discussion on the uh, the hard versus the soft versus the hybrid magic systems. We will probably be referencing these in future episodes. So yep. um, congratulations on making it through. You'll know you'll get our jokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're like if you're especially if you're wanting to explore the hard magic systems, I would I would recommend looking up first of all any book by Brandon Sanderson, but specifically his essays. Those are those are we've referenced like I said a lot of the content in in this in this discussion here and it, it can add just a lot of context um, for you they're written from the perspective i would say as an author so they're written to guide authors in writing hard magic systems so if that's your interest and that's why you're wanting to learn more about this that's that's a place i would point you and then i, I think just if you're someone who's interested in okay i've i've read some fantasy but i've always not really liked it but i'm interested in what you know dalton and nelson have been talking about mistborn would be my first go-to but any other book by Sanderson, I think would probably do. Yeah, those those uh, essays will be linked in our show notes, so that you can find those show notes. They'll be linked in the description of whatever app you're using to listen to us on, and you can also find them on the fantasyandsomeflights.com website. They will be posted there. Is there any uh, magic system that we didn't cover that you know maybe we haven't read, maybe we just glossed over it that you would want to recommend to us? Reach out to us. We love we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, you can reach us on the website or on Twitter. We're at and some flights you know we're all we're always looking to dive into the next thing we probably have a laundry list of books that we need to get through <laughs> um but you know we're always looking for recommendations so let us know if you agree loved disagreed hated anything that we said in this podcast because you know we're new to this and we're learning so we're but we're having fun with that cheers <laughs> <laughs>
so basically what, what what the demon cycle is doing is that you're uncovering different types of runes that if you draw a certain pattern it gives you a different ability to interact yeah. with the demons and so the the warded man which is the first book in the series is all about a guy who you know instead of drawing the runes on a spear draws it on a tattoos it on his body and he's right. able to you know he's a, the monk from pathfinder right he, he's yeah. the monk and he's going out there and he's fighting these demons yeah just kicking demon ass every night and that series does a really good job of starting as a very soft magic system and progressing yep. and you start to learn and more it starts rules. on the horror realm to be honest yeah, yeah, yeah it really does because i mean it's a scary scary book yeah right, they're demons right? yeah shit's scary and if you forget to draw your your protective circle around your camp or if you you know you leave any of the symbols out then you're you're gonna die right like, yeah yeah and so just using that as a you know horror and then ties it into you're slowly learning more about it yeah it, that's a really good series yeah and it loses it does the same thing that stranger things is currently trying to do where it loses the horror to be honest like as, as it goes on the demons get less scary because the main character understands them and he can go out every night and you can just like beat the shit out of him and he doesn't care and so like it shifts from him fighting demons to him fighting the people and it becomes about interpersonal relationships and politics and intrigue and stuff like that and that becomes sort of the driving force of the series 